Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Knockabout Travel Podcast. I'm Greg Squalia, and today we're going to be talking all about Ireland. My guest today is Stephanie Chastain, travel coach for anybody looking to visit the Emerald Isle. Stephanie owns and operates the website Infinite Ireland, where she dishes out advice and planning guidance on her blog, creates custom itineraries, and runs live workshops for travelers who are getting ready for their first or maybe their second trip to Ireland. Stephanie's been to Ireland about eight or nine times now, so she really knows her stuff. Uh, she's also super fun to talk to because uh, she gets really excited about traveling to Ireland. And you can't see it, but we had the camera rolling during our conversation, and she had an ear-to-ear smile the entire time. I think if you have even a passing interest in traveling to Ireland, then you're going to like this episode. This is the time to start thinking about it. It's been a really long year, but we're really starting to pull out of this pandemic and it's painfully slow and I know that the data doesn't really support that statement that I just made but uh, we should be able to travel again sometime later this year definitely in 2022 maybe Um, okay well anyway you've heard enough from me right now so let's let Stephanie tell us a little bit about visiting Ireland so Stephanie welcome to the show Um, how are you doing today good good thanks for having me Great, great. So can you tell us all a little bit about yourself and how you got to know Ireland so well? Ah, okay. So I am an Ireland travel coach. Uh, I'm a mom of two little boys. Um, I am a former study abroad advisor at a Big Ten university and generally just a lover of all things travel. Um, But Ireland definitely has my heart. And um, it captured it on our honeymoon, actually. It was my first international experience. I was young. We got married. I was 23. Um, And uh, I just absolutely fell in love with Ireland. I fell in love with the people. Uh, We kept going back uh, kind of year after year after year. Uh, And eventually, I kind of became the person that people started coming to for questions. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll start a travel blog. And it was 2012, travel blogs were all over the place. I was reading them. I thought I could, you know, write about my travels. And so I started um, really just hashing out all the things that we did and all the things I had learned over the years of travel. Um, and it, it uh, really just came, became a part of, of, of who I, I was, travel in general, but, but particularly Ireland. Um, I was working in higher ed at the time, actually started out in admissions and student affairs, slowly started leading students abroad, and then actually went in specifically to study abroad. And um, uh, the, I still had the, the the travel blog kind of on the side as a fun thing to do. And um, eventually, I started getting an, enough emails every day where there was a light bulb that went like, oh, it's a business. Um and so I uh, put up a, a, a very rough and ready sales page and lo and behold, people, um, you know, were, were really excited about the services that I was offering. And so here I am, an Ireland travel coach. Great. How many, how many times have you been to Ireland? Oh, gosh, I should count. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. You uh, can't even count them. So. <laughs> yeah, you lost count. Um, it's, it, it's, you know, I think it's eight or nine. It's not, you know, some people have actually go, uh, I actually have worked with clients, um, who have been to Ireland almost every year for the last 30 years. Um, and it's funny that they uh, still come to me with, with questions and different things. And I think it's just a love of the country when you go there. So there's something that kind of uh, grabs a hold of you and you, you love to talk about it. You love to share it with other people. So no matter how many times you go, um, you just can't 
uh, can't let it go. Great. So uh, I've never been to Ireland. Um, so, you know, somebody who's going there for the first time, you know, like, you know, what, what are some of the major regions that somebody's going to want to visit? Uh, I imagine if you've been there eight or nine times, uh, I imagine you can't do it all in one day or, or one week. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are, the, what are some of the highlights? Uh, of, yeah. Of well, you know, I, I think of Ireland actually when I um, when I work with people, I, I kind of break up Ireland into four different quadrants plus Dublin. So, you know, Dublin's a, a capital city. It's a favorite place to go. And I love Dublin. It's very vibrant, very multicultural, um, as well as being very, you know, Irish city. Um, but then, uh, you know, a lot of times people are like, I want to see Dublin, but I also want to go out into the countryside. And the countryside is really, I think, what embodies Ireland, um, or at least when most people think of Ireland, they think of, you know, rolling hills and sheep dotting the pastures and, you know, windswept beaches. Um, and so it's getting out to that countryside that um, really uh, can capture your heart, I think, the most. Uh, and so those four different quadrants, um, the, the first one is the Southwest. So this is an area that uh, most people go on their first trips to Ireland. This is uh, an area that has kind of what I would call quintessential Ireland. You've got, you've got those rolling hills and you've got the sheep and you've got those vistas um, with the, the wide Atlantic views. Um, and, uh, and it's, a very, uh, it's a very popular place, place to go. Um, then another area that's also very popular I would uh, also suggest would be the West. Um, so the West has the Cliffs of Moher, which is another one of those famous spots that uh, people kind of uh, think of when they think of Ireland. There's also Galway and Connemara. Um, so those are kind of the first two main sections of Ireland that people tend to kind of gravitate to. But there's also the North, um, and I, the North includes uh, Donegal, County Donegal, which is a part of the Republic of Ireland, and uh, Northern Ireland. Um, and so Northern Ireland, of course, is a part of the UK, right. uh, but that kind of the, the, that area of the island of Ireland is um, often grouped together because uh, it has similar landscapes. Um, Donegal is very wild and rugged um, and very, um, very, very beautiful and much less visited than maybe some parts in, in the southwest. Have you spent much um, time up in Northern Ireland as well? Yes, I have. I love Northern Ireland. Um, you know, Belfast is, is the capital there. Mm-hmm. And then all the way up the coast is Giants. Uh, is, is, the main attraction is the Giants Causeway. Um, but there's also all of these small sites all along the way that um, can really are that really, I think, for most people surprise them. Um, mm-hmm. Because they kind of just think of Belfast and Giants Causeway, but um, you get these small pockets of spots where um, you know you can stand on a cliffside and see Scotland yeah. in the distance. So when I think of Northern Ireland, I think of like Game of Thrones. Isn't that wasn't that filmed up there? <laughs> yes, yes, they have. Uh, there's a, a bunch of different tours you could take to go to all the different filming sites of the Game of Thrones, um, and quite a bit of it was uh, filmed in Northern Ireland. Some also in Croatia and a few other places in Europe, but primarily in Northern Ireland, which is actually really cool um, because you can even have in some of the sites even have pictures of you know the, the the actors kind of standing in that location, and you can see the location right in front of you, um, and it's it's a pretty cool place to to see cool so like on that same thread like what are or are there any cultural differences between the republic of ireland and northern ireland i mean i i would imagine so given the history but um Mm -hmm. but yeah if you can kind of go into some of that too that'd be great 
Yeah, absolutely. There definitely are some cultural differences. I think the the number one thing is um, is religion, um, and that's really the, sure. the the crux of the difference between Northern Ireland and the Republic, or at least the the initial um, uh, difference. Um, I do. It's funny when it, when Joe and I have gone into Northern Ireland, we always try to figure out like how do you know you're here in Northern Ireland versus being in the Republic. The first thing actually is that the sign postage, uh, the signs are posted in miles instead of kilometers. Um, and, right. and that's a silly thing, but that's actually the number one marker for me to like say, okay, I'm actually in Northern Ireland now. Um, because otherwise, you know, the people are so incredibly friendly. You still have these beautiful landscapes. Um, uh, and, and, you know, it's still a, an amazing place to visit on top of um, also, you know, being in the Republic or we've taken trips where we're just primarily in Northern Ireland. And I think that's great too, when you can kind of crunch down, um, a, a location or an area and stay in one spot or, or travel in short distances within one spot, um, for the entire trip. I think you get deeper and, um, you get a much more meaningful experience when you do that. Sure. Um, okay. So we've got the Southwest and the West with the rolling Hills and the cliffs of Moore. Uh, that's, I imagine the the cliffs that you see on all the postcards and photos and mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah. What about what about in the east? What's uh, what's in the east? Yeah. So the southeast is um, what they call the sunny southeast, and this area actually is kind of a hidden gem. Not a lot of people travel to the southeast that much, at least uh, particularly not if you're you're going on your your very first trip. And um, I love the southeast because you can kind of get away from the crowds uh, a lot easier. You can still experience the beaches and um, the mountains kind of all in one uh, one fell swoop. Um, and uh, because you don't have the, the, the number of visitors, um, you can kind of feel like you have the place all to yourself, which is, is quite fun when you're visiting. Uh, you can kind of pretend that you're a local like everybody else there. <laughs> okay, cool. And then... Um... You said you divided into four sections plus mm-hmm. plus Dublin, right? Plus so that's Dublin. that's yeah. the big city. Or um, and then what about what about Galway? I've heard a lot about Galway. Um, you know, I, my the guy who helped us buy and sell our first house, he was from Galway. He was a real a realtor. <laughs> so I've heard a lot about it. Um, you know what uh, what goes on there? Oh, Galway is amazing. It's this true Irish city. And it also has a university town. So it's very, very vibrant. Um, We have cobblestone streets with pubs lined, um, you know, all up and down with mom and pop shops kind of sprinkled through. Um, So if you want, you know, a, a good pub nightlife with you know, cozy pubs with peat fires, um, you know, traditional Irish music, traditional Irish dancing, um, yeah, all that's along the, the way. Right there. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> you kind of have this place where, um, you can have everything else that you might want, you know, museums or, uh, seaside walks along the promenade, um, as well as then at night, you know, sure. that Irish pub culture that, you know, you might want to partake. Yeah. In see, that's too. what I envision, you know, like a dark, pub with stone walls and big mm-hmm. beer and slapping the table and <laughs> <That's great. laughs> yeah All right. so it sounds good and they also have an arts festival there too don't they is that uh, they like an annual thing yeah kind huge of reading about arts that fest. huge arts fest festivals in ireland in general are are, are really big and arts fest in, in galway is uh, one of the um favorites people come all over the world to to participate in the festival and just 
um, you know, not only just to sell their art, but also just to go and participate and see, you know, what they've got going on, as well as, you know, when things like when festivals happen in, in Ireland, whether it's the matchmaking festival in Listoon Varna or the arts festival in Galway, you know, you have kind of the festival activities during the day and then the concentration of the Irish music and the, the dancing okay. and all of that at night. So what's a, what's a matchmaking festival? <laughs> I mean, I just, I never heard of that. And it sounds curious. Yes. So Listoon Varna is in County Clare. It's this tiny town and, um, the only thing that, not the only thing, it's actually got a couple of great pubs and, um, you know, some really nice, um, it's a really great location to visit the Cliffs of Moher and lots of different things around it. But the one thing it's known for is this matchmaking festival. It's a, a long festival uh, over the course of about a month in September. And there is a matchmaker, a true person who will match you up um, with someone else Um and it, people between the ages of 18 and 80 uh, can participate. Uh, and so it's a really interesting, long-standing tradition. Most people go there oh, cool. for kind of all the other things that are going on uh, right, in the town right. uh, during the, the, that time. But so fun, so unique, so different uh, than kind of the, the, <laughs> the, the usual festivals that you might see right, right. elsewhere. Okay. Well, so for everybody out there that's uh, sick of online dating and... <laughs> Tinder and all that stuff. You just go to Ireland and somebody will That's do right. it for you, right? He's got a you know a, a, a big book of names and all sorts of different things. And yeah, you never know. Okay, cool. All right. So um, the people in Ireland, right? So I I was working one day and I, I came across somebody that was from Ireland and uh, I said, yeah, I'd really love to go there. And she's like, oh, you should do it. You should do it. Um, you know, they they love Americans over there. And uh, and then she said, and then she said, um, did you have kids? And I said, yeah, I've got two kids. And she goes, oh, um, we'll just wait until they're grown up. <laughs> and then <laughs> you might not want to bring them. So, I mean, you know, tell me a little bit about the, the people and uh, traveling with families. I know your kids are probably young. So, I mean, I know you do it. But, um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, tell us about traveling with a, a family and, you know, what uh, yeah. what can be done with, with that. Yeah, it is different. So, I mean, I've traveled with kids. I've traveled without kids. Um, it's, and I will never be the one to tell a person, you know, oh, you know, go. It, it'll be just like you would, you know, have a vacation on your own. Traveling with kids, no matter what, <laughs> I don't think no matter where you go. No um, matter where. Isn't yeah. always a vacation. Um, it, there are certainly challenges. But I will say that our trips with our kids have been so meaningful. Um, and they're young. My, my oldest is four and my youngest is two. So okay. they both went when they were about six months and about two. Um, so oh, that's brave. They, they, they were, they were pretty young. Did, yeah. We weren't doing very many late nights in the pubs. I'll tell you that. Um, but, um, everywhere we did go, um, it was almost like an automatic open door. Um, cause when you have kids, you know, people just gravitate towards them. Uh, and, um, so, when in Ireland, um, I think people go to Ireland primarily because of the landscapes or what they've heard, but they keep returning because of the people. The people there are incredible. They are consistently named, you know, in the top five friendliest, you know, countries in the world. That's and, what I've heard, yeah. And they are truly curious about you. And so when you open yourself up for conversation and fun, um, they're going to bring you right in uh, to to their experiences. And so when you have kids, I feel like 
um, that door opened even wider um, than when we were by ourselves. And so um, I would encourage people, if you do have young ones or even, you know, uh, even older kids to take them because I think to see the world through their eyes really gives you a whole new lens as well. Um, and of course, you're educating and, you know, giving your kids an experience that, you know, whether they remember it or not, they're building a foundation for, you know, future um future learning, future um, awareness. And so, yeah. yeah it's just I, a broader viewpoint on, on the absolutely. world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So what's your favorite place? Oh, such a loaded question. <laughs> Depending. Um, yeah. yeah. It's hard to say. And, and I always, I get this question a lot and it's, it, I feel like the cha- the answer changes depending on my day. But um, I, when we first went to Ireland, like many people, we went to the Southwest. And so that piece of that always um, is in my heart. But um, so I love the Southwest, it particularly kind of a little bit more off the beaten path in the Southwest, um, West Cork. So Cork is um, a city uh, in, in the south of Ireland. It's the second biggest city um, in Ireland. And uh, outside of the city is this beautiful uh kind of wild and rugged, very similar uh, in concept to what uh, I described uh, Donegal being, kind of a wild and rugged landscape. But the infrastructure nearby, uh, the tourism infrastructure nearby is is really nice because you can kind of uh, zip down to the southwest, be in uh, a hub town like Killarney, um, and get down to the West Cork area, the area that's maybe a, a bit more um isolated pretty easily and so um so that's 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 definitely a contender for one of my favorite places because you can kind of have the best of both worlds of a you know the the opportunities of kind of a a busier town um or several busier towns nearby and as well as that remote um kind of wild landscapes that that you uh can experience kind of all on your own cool all right. And, uh, you know, whenever we travel, we always are looking for some new food to eat. Uh, what's what's the food like over there? What um, you know, what do they what do they like to eat? And, you know, how is it? I love the food in Ireland. Uh, it often gets, I think, a bad rap, right? Like, yeah, well, you know, corned beef and cabbage, St. <laughs> right? Patrick's Day, and we don't know how to cook it. And it just comes out like a boiled mess. And I don't, exactly. I'm sure they're all not the serving potatoes. that over there. Yeah, exactly. You get all the, you know all the stereotypes of Irish food and, and it's, you know, not, doesn't sound particularly appetizing. Um, but the food in Ireland has gone through such, a, a transformation, I think in the last 15 years or so, um, the, the farm to table movement is alive and well in Ireland. And I think that's why, um, it's a surprising destination for food because, you know, if you go into a, a pub in Dingle, um, you can order a fish that was caught that morning. And there's a sign outside that says the fisherman's name on it. And, you know, not very many places in the world can the chef know the, the fisherman who brought in the fish that morning and tell you what the special is because that's what he caught, you know. Um, and so it is a truly unique experience where um, you can have fresh salads grown in the garden out back and you can have, um, you know, local beef, you know, from the, the farm 
over the hill and the, you know the dairy don't get me started on the dairy um Carrie gold butter seems to have kind of made um a, an impact here in the u.s yeah i um, like the, the cheese the <laughs> the reserved yeah, cheddar cheese yeah i buy it all the time exactly it's so good and it's i feel like all of their dairy products are like that they're just the you know uh, the happiest cows that you know right you know on these eating this grass that makes their milk you know this golden yellow color and you can taste how good it really is so yeah definitely a destination for food um you know it, it, beyond there certainly are a lot of potatoes but they they know yeah. how to cook them let me tell you um you might order a plate of spaghetti but get a side of french fries that certainly happens <laughs> um but you also could you know order uh you know the uh, an amazing uh vegan meal or that have a fantastic fantastic fresh scooped cup of ice cream um you know there you kind of run the gamut of options and of course there's michelin star restaurants and all that stuff too um which are, are really fantastic too so yeah definitely a, a good destination for food for sure that's great that's great I, I mean my experience with irish food is pretty much just saint patrick's day but there is this one place um well i guess they have a, a, a spot in ireland but um also, because I've never been to Ireland, but I've been to Tampa a lot, and there's a place called Four Green Fields, and they have uh, this potato leek soup that's just amazing. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I actually tried making it a week ago, and it came out pretty good. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, I guess they, they've got like a, a, like a mother store or mother restaurant over there in, uh, in Ireland somewhere. So, huh. um, anyway, um, where to stay? So where, where are we going to stay? Are we going to like get an Airbnb or something or a hotel or stay in uh, one of these castles that you see? Mm -hmm. uh, what's, a, what's a good spot to go? You can stay in any type of accommodation that you might potentially like in Ireland. They have everything from, um, you know, glamorous glamping pods to castle five-star stays. Um, and... My favorite, of course, is the Irish b and I don't think there's any hospitality in the world um, better than the Irish b and So um, for me, on our first trip to Ireland, I was a little nervous to stay in a and b knowing, um, you know, I had this image of B&Bs being kind of like staying at grandma's house and that my, my bathroom might be across the way and these days, uh, most Irish B&Bs um, are purpose-built, so um, you, it kind of feels like you're staying in a nice boutique hotel where you get your own key to your, the front door, you get your own bathroom, but you walk downstairs in the morning and this incredible Irish breakfast is presented to you. Um, and we're talking, um, you can have almost anything that you might want. Uh, the, the typical Irish breakfast, you know, you're looking at eggs and sausage and bacon and tomatoes um, black and white pudding potentially. Um, but also then a continental breakfast with yogurts and cereals and fruit. Um, and if you want, you can order something special like French toast or pancakes or crepes or, you know, you name it. And so the, uh, the Irish breakfast at a B and B will keep you going, uh, at least till lunch. But usually for me, it goes through lunch and into the afternoon. I can typically find my way to an ice cream shop or a, a bakery, get myself a little snack, and then be happy to eat a nice dinner um, in the evening. Um, so it's a money saver too, because you do actually get quite a bit of food. But also I think the 
the, the best part, not only do you get this wonderful spread, um, you also then have the opportunity to chat with you know, other travelers, your hosts, uh, get insights on what to do in the area, things that might not be in guidebooks or might truly just be in the backyard of the B&B. I remember one time we were staying chatting with the host and I mentioned that, you know, I like to visit ring forts and fairy forts. And um, she's like, oh, we got one here in the backyard. Let me finish up breakfast and I'll, and I'll show you. She walked us out backyard. We got a whole tour of um, the the backyard ring fort, but then also a history lesson on everything um, in the area from prehistoric age up to current day, um, what her, you know, her son was um manage a nursery there as well and how he did business it was incredible and you know just opening yourself up to these opportunities to chat with you know your hosts or any other locals it's surprising how many times you can find yourself in an unexpected place um, because you know you just either you asked or um, you continued a conversation um, at the breakfast table and you know that's that's where the charm is uh, for staying at an Irish B&B um, is having that connection with with others sure and, and as you're meeting other people do you find that there's um like a, a a large like international crowd that visits ireland or is it mostly english speaking or it, yeah. it's it's varied and i feel like it's gotten more international as the years have gone by um certainly the majority of people are coming from north america so u.s and canada as well as england um that's um so th- those are their two largest markets um for tourism by far. Um, but absolutely, uh, Europe, Western Europe particularly is a, you know, Ireland's definitely a destination. Um, I've worked with people from Germany and the Netherlands and, um, you know, I think Ireland just gets, is well known across the world for, you know, friendly people, beautiful places. And so it's a destination for, for everybody. Great. Uh, so what time of the year is, is best to, to head over there? Anytime you can go. Um, no. Like Hawaii, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> right. I mean, really, there, there is not a, a bad time to go to Ireland. Certainly, um, off-season is my favorite. So if you go between April and May or September and October, um, the weather is still, I mean, it's weather in Ireland. We could talk about that. But the weather is still, you know, it's, it's still generally nice. Um, you get long, sunny days. Um, without the crowds. So I think um, that off season is is the best time if you can have your pick. Um, but you know, for some people, they can only go in you know, the, the holidays of you know, July and August, you're definitely going to be with more crowds if you go during that time of year. However, you know, as long as you plan right, you can avoid those crowds, you can avoid other um, you know, other people that might be traveling that, you know, to give yourself more of an intimate and authentic experience. Um, but even, you know, gosh, January right now, there's a, typically there's a traditional Irish music festival in Dublin um, that is hopping. Um, it's a really cool time to go. Uh, and I just was looking at the my weather app and I think the temperature was like 48 or 49 degrees Fahrenheit and it was sunny. So, I mean, you're going to be layered up, but, uh, you know, get some, get into, again, a cozy pub with a peat fire, uh, Irish yeah. music, uh, no matter, you know, day or night, that's not a, not a bad place to be. Okay. Do, do they have a rainy season? Um, the, it's a rainy season all year long. <laughs> um, 
so in Ireland, the, the green grass and all those green fields don't, you know, aren't green for uh, no reason. It's because they get a lot of rain all year long. Um, and so I always tell people to go expecting rain every day. And uh, when it doesn't rain and that sun comes out, it will be glorious. It'll be the most beautiful place you have ever been and ever seen. Um, and there's really no avoiding it or planning a time of year that, you know, you're going to get two weeks of beautiful weather. Um, you know, you, you're going to want a rain jacket. You're going to want, you know, walking shoes that you can switch out if they get wet. Um, but, you know, the, the, the upside to that is, you know, that you get the rainbows and you get the, you know, when the beautiful blue sky um, peeks through and you get that sunshine, there is no more beautiful place in the world. Yeah, sounds amazing. Um, oh yeah, um, getting around. How do you? How are we going to get around Ireland? Is there like a, a big? You know, I, I don't imagine there's a big train system over in Ireland, like continental Europe. But like, what's the, what's the <laughs> best way to to get from A to B? The best way to get to an A to B is to rent a car. Um, to drive yourself, you are driving on the left, so that can be intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, but there's ways to prepare for that, so um, don't let that scare you too much. Um, but ri riding, uh, driving yourselves or riding in a vehicle is the best way to get from A to B because you can go where you want when you want. Um, there are bus systems. There is a train. It only goes to the main cities. So unless you just want to be in Dublin, Cork, Galway, Belfast, um, you're going to be limerick. You're going to be kind of limited to those, to those cities if you just use train. Um, the bus system goes more places, but you will be a little limited with when you can go. You're going to have mm -hmm. to be kind of prisoner to the bus schedule. Um, however, I know a lot of people who, um, you know, will do you know, Dublin on the front end. You definitely do not need a vehicle uh, or a car um, in Dublin. Take a train uh, over to Galway. Um, spend a few days in Galway City. Again, you, that's a nice, really great walkable city. So you probably won't need a car there either. Uh, and then pick up your rental in Galway and then start exploring kind of the countryside. So you can kind of manage how much driving you do um, and, and kind of work it out so that you're not behind the, the wheel of a, of a car the entire time. Sure. Um, but, but by far, that's my, my favorite way to go. Okay. And uh, what about what about renting a car in Ireland? Um, I've, I think I've heard you mention there are some peculiarities with with that um you might anything we yeah. should know before we show up at the airport and uh <laughs> try to get a car yes yes there's lots of little things um the big thing is that ireland requires a minimum insurance they call this collision damage waiver insurance you've probably heard it when you've you know maybe rented a car here in the u.s or um elsewhere but they require it you can't not have this minimum coverage. Um, and this will get you to usually around a couple thousand euros deductible. So if you've got a scratch, if you've got a bump, um, you're, you're going to have to pay to get that buffered out uh, if you just purchase or just get this minimum collision damage waiver insurance. Uh, there's another option called super collision damage waiver insurance. Um, they call it SCDW. Sometimes they call it excess or top cover. Um, whatever they call it, it's this, you know, I call it the platinum stuff, right? Like this is the stuff that you get and you don't have to pay anything when you turn those keys back in. You can kind of just, you know, flip them back to the car and say, or, you know, to the rental and say, right. thank you. I had a great time. 
Um, and in Ireland, because the roads are so small, because you are driving on the left, there is a very high likelihood that you might come out with a scratch or two. Yeah. Um, but at least so they I have, love, I was going to say, at least they have the like the British style cars with the wheel on the right. Is that? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah I've heard, I, you know, I, I rented a car in the Virgin Islands once and which you, you drive on the left, but the wheel is also on the left too. So, <laughs> um, so the funny part is like, well, it's not funny, but like you're just, you know, the roads are just filled with people that are used to driving on the right. You're just hoping that everybody remembers to stay on the left. And yeah. and uh, when the road curves around to the left, you know, because you're on the left, you just can't see anything. You're just praying that somebody's not coming around the corner at that time. <laughs> it is. And it's nerve wracking whether you're situated on the right or the left. Um, you know, I feel like because in our in our family, Joe, my husband, he's usually the driver. Yeah. Um, so I'm usually in the passenger side, you know, kind of leaning to one way saying, no, right. I'm a little farther. Um, but it, it, it does take, I always say it takes a day or two, you know, to get used to, you know, I'm never going to tell you that it's not going to be white knuckle driving the first time you get behind the wheel. However, um, you know, you can, you can do things like, uh, uh, look at Google maps before you leave and actually take, drive the Google car, um, to your destination to see what the roads would look like uh, as you're driving on the left. You can mm -hmm. do things to prepare that will allow you to feel a little bit more comfortable when you arrive. So I always suggest, you know, rent the car, um, get the super cover. So when you get that scratch or you, you know, run into a hedge and, you know, there's a, a couple little dings in the car, you can laugh about it and keep going. You don't have to worry. Um, it doesn't have to ruin your trip. You can just kind of keep moving and, you know, enjoy the landscape you know, with yeah. a little. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Um, now let's see. Uh, let's say somebody's going to book a trip to Ireland. Uh, they may not be, you know, this might be like the only time they go for a while. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. how much time should we allot to visit Ireland if we want to, you know, see most of? I mean, probably not everything, but you know, a lot of the major sites, maybe a couple yeah. different regions. Anyway. I always suggest, um, you know, I think 10 days is a good minimum. I mean, certainly if you if you have a week or you know just a, a long weekend great just kind of draw back what you think you can accomplish but if you've got 10 days two weeks or even more um you're in you're in a really good range to see quite a bit of ireland and you know mark off a few things that you'd really like to experience um for, we talked about those quadrants kind of the the southwest the west the north and the southeast um i always say that you know pick a quadrant and stay in that quadrant for about a week that will allow you to really experience the region not spread yourself out yourself out too thin, um, trying to kind of get to the next place to the next destination, you'll find yourself not behind the wheel, you know, the whole time, and you'll um, probably experience a bit more. Um, so if you kind of compartmentalize your, um, your trip, based upon the time, the number of days that you have, you know, so if you have two weeks, then you can kind of fully explore two regions. Uh, if you've got know, a week and a half, you can kind of do a region plus Dublin or Dublin and one and you know, a quarter of a region, you know, you can kind of budget a little bit, but, you know, give yourself that, that, um, that space to plan a trip that's doable and enjoyable and not going to make you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation when <laughs> you get home. Sure. All right, cool. So I think we covered, um, a lot here. So, uh, you know, let's, we can just wrap it up. If you just, um, tell us a little bit about, uh, infinite Ireland, which is uh, your website, of course. Yeah. And, so and what, what you do over there. Yeah. Um, 
so Infinite Ireland is my site. It's uh, it's a kind of a, a first timer's guide to planning a trip to Ireland, um, particularly if you're kind of more of interested in an authentic, immersive experience. Um, I always say that you know a trip to Ireland is best not done by bucket list items, by you know experiences that make um, something meaningful. And uh, and so. Uh, I help people kind of plan those meaningful trips, those lifetime trips. And um, so I have a few different services. Uh, my my um, signature service is Ireland Travel Coaching, where uh, uh, people, we hop on a phone call and we map out a plan uh, for their trip. We go through kind of the itinerary um, and even nuts and bolts about, you know, tips on how to drive on the left and, you know, how what's the best way to avoid fees at the ATMs and that type of thing. Um and so uh, I'm not a travel agent. That's something I think that's pretty unique in uh, in the travel world. Uh, I'm I would consider myself a coach or a consultant. Um, you know, you most of my clients are super savvy people. They can book a hotel online. They can right. book their airfare. Um, but they want people. They want an expert opinion on you know how do we map this out? How do we make a good plan that's doable and fun and immersive? Um, and so that's what that's what we aim to do all right cool so well thanks a lot thanks for coming on uh the show today and um appreciate your input and you've definitely got me uh thinking about going there um sometime you know in the near future um after all this craziness is settled <laughs> but uh, it'll be worth the wait i promise i hope so i hope so all right stephanie thanks again and um we'll uh we'll talk to you soon thank you all right, that wraps it up for another episode of the Knockabout Travel Podcast. So uh, I was a little bit of a bad host. I forgot to ask Stephanie what her social channels are. Uh, so in addition to InfiniteIreland.com, you can find her on Facebook and Pinterest at Infinite Ireland and also on Instagram at Ireland Travel Coach. So uh, please look her up over there and uh, give her a follow. And you can also find those links in the show description uh, of this podcast and also on the show notes page at knockabout.blog forward slash podcast. And if you have any ideas for the show, just please shoot them over to me. That's, uh, my email is greg, G-R-E-G-G, at knockabout.blog. And uh, we'll be sure to take a look at them and see if we can make a show about it. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.